0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I wanted a career in which everything would matter. So I joined the CIA. And now I help protect our families, our friends, and every fellow American. Find out how everything you do in your career can impact our nation. Visit CIA.gov careers to learn more and apply. <laughs> My
1: And what's up, everybody? Chris Clark here, GamecockCentral.com. On the big screen today, I'm featured solo, but that will change very shortly. Wes Mitchell set to join me momentarily. Don't worry. Don't turn the show off for the big Wes Mitchell fans that are in the house today. And that's all of you, I'm sure. He will be here momentarily. Wes is actually on his way back to the home studio uh, straight from Shane Beamer's press conference. Just wrapped up. A few minutes ago, not too long ago, press conference was at one fifteen, so ended obviously one forty five, one fifty, something like that. And so well, shooting it back over to the home studio real quick. And he is going to be set to join me here on GC Live. It is Tuesday. And that's a pretty cool thing because normally, uh, for the last, I don't know, a few months, we have not been doing Tuesday shows, but as we tease the people, we are now back for the most part, to daily shows, Monday through Friday, here on GC Live. We're going to shoot for 2 o'clock. Uh, as we told you guys, bear with us a little bit on press conference days, like Tuesday, Beamer's press conferences are going to be at one fifteen on Tuesdays, and so that does sometimes cause a little bit of a delay. I was able to be here and be in place, so I think I was only three minutes late. Not bad. A lot going on. Busy day on GamecockCentral.com, I hope that you have your browser bookmark set to GamecockCentral.com so that you can be updated on all the news. There have been numerous pieces that have come out today already. And really appreciate everybody joining the show and for following along on GamecockCentral.com with us. Before we get started and dive into all sorts of stuff, as game week is, is here and another day closer to Gamecock football's kickoff for the 2021 season, want to take a second? tell you about our primary sponsor, Clint Hammond. Wes Mitchell dropped the great note to all of our listeners and watchers yesterday that Clint Hammond, the branch manager of the Columbia Mortgage Network, he's been our sponsor for a while, primary presenting sponsor. We appreciate him. He's with us throughout the year. He's also going to be with us next year. Long-time presence on the show. Huge Gamecock fan, great mortgage man. So if you've got any mortgage needs at all, however small it may be, however big it may be, make sure you give Clint Hammond a call. Give him the first shot at your business. If you want somebody who knows what he's doing, is a huge Gamecock fan and is a huge supporter of Gamecock Central. If you love all those things, if you're in need of all those things, make sure you give Clint a call. For those of you on the YouTube stream or any Facebook Live, Periscope, whatever it may be, check out Clint's kind of virtual card here. Clint Hammond, the branch manager of the Columbia Mortgage Network. C. Hammond at mortgagenetwork.com. And his phone number is 803-771-6933. NMLS number is 71597. So hope everybody's doing well. Already some activity here in the chat. Dylan, thank you for making me feel good, man. Love you too. Appreciate you having me on. Hopefully the people aren't too upset that Wes isn't here yet, but he will be back soon. So obviously... Two big things that have happened today that we're going to get into on the show. If you've got uh, some comments you might want us to highlight, if you have some questions, drop them in the chat. Uh, Make sure you're on YouTube, youtube.com slash Gamecock Central. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button. Hit all the buttons except dislike. Uh, Hit the little bell. You'll get a notification anytime we go live. That way you don't have to say, oh, I forgot that GC Live is on today. So... Charles Pate, Video Maker Extraordinaire on Twitter. Uh, Charles, you actually gave Wes and I our first big film break by featuring us in your Avengers style video. I'm much appreciative. I tried out for a movie when I was like five years old in Orangeburg. I did not make it. So you have made my dreams come true. And I very much appreciate you. So thank you, Charles. All right. Fred, it was clear that this is going to happen. He knows the playbook, has the most experience. I supported 100%, 100%. That was actually something I wanted to get into. It's a good point, Fred. One thing that I noticed, as soon as the depth chart came out, started making the rounds on social media, namely Twitter, um, and we kind of came along behind that with a little commentary that said, look, this Zeb Nolan being atop the depth chart, was not a surprise. It was an expected move. We got, we had some people kind of come behind that who weren't in kind of that, the Gamecock bubble, right? Because everybody in the Gamecock bubble, media fans, people around the team, they did expect this. They knew at the very minimum that it was a possibility. Right. And a lot of people came along and said, why was this expected? The guy was just with the team. You know, we had one guy said a week, he's been with the team two weeks, but it's neither here nor there is this was expected that that's kind of the point now to outside observers. Is it maybe a surprise because of the storyline of they had a graduate assistant. He's, he's on the team now. Maybe the thought is you're just putting him out there uh, just for depth. He had no real chance, whatever the perceptions were. And certainly that perception has even changed even among myself. I won't speak for Wes until he gets here, but myself, it seemed like when Zeb first got onto the roster, meaning day one, day two, it seemed maybe more of a depth-building move, and you see where it goes. Well, he pretty rapidly ascended, and there were there were a lot of layers. There's a lot of layers to this thing. The point is, about five days, I would say, maybe three to five days after Zeb started practicing, Wes started reporting that Zeb had a legitimate shot to play. And then it was – Zeb has a legitimate shot to be the starting quarterback. And it only strengthened from there. So, for those of you that have watched GC Live, we appreciate you. Those of you who subscribe to GamecockCentral.com and check out our content, none of you should have been surprised about the way that this is trending. Now, Now that it's real, now that it's officially been announced – you know, we can analyze it a little bit more now. Now it's done. You know, that's kind of how we've been couching it the whole time: is this this idea that Zeb Nolan could start? That's what we think is going to happen. That's what we have predicted is going to happen. But now it's it's actually here. It's a, it's a tangible, real thing, and so that's where things are going on uh, on Saturday night in williams price Stadium. So we'll get into that. We'll get into the depth chart, as I said earlier. If you've got thoughts. Questions on Gamecock football depth chart, Uh drop them in. And, hey, here, here's a cool thing. Look, depth charts, are they overanalyze? Yes, T- to some degree they are. Wes and I have talked a lot on the show recently about how a lot of the spots on this team have been pretty set, right, as far as the starters. There were a few little what's going to happen for sure at quarterback. Running back, Wes predicted Ors. We had several oars in the running back category, right? We had four running backs listed. They were all oars. Pretty cool. So still don't have a final word on running back. But point is depth charts are cool, right? Uh, having a roster is something that is, is a good talking point for, for fans, for media. We have seen a little bit. Um, I'll, I'll just go SEC centric. We've seen some differences from a couple of the newer coaches in the conference with how they've approached things. Shane Beamer, for instance, has taken an approach with the media where freshmen have talked. Jason Brown, huge props to Jason Brown today. He came in the media room, originally had a class conflict, but, but came on in, stood in front of the media, and talked about not winning the starting quarterback job, answered some questions very honestly and frankly about that. I thought that was awesome. Credit to him, but also Shane Beamer let him talk. Uh, Zeb Nolan talked very early, you know, after he joined the team. Luke Doty, after he went down with an injury, he got to speak to the media. Uh, young players have talked. Shane Beamer releasing a depth chart, talking about the uniforms, giving injury reports. You know, now are they, are they given an exact, hey, here's the exact injury for a guy. Here's the date he's going to be back. No, but giving injury reports. Eli Drinkwitz from Missouri, guys and girls, uh, today said that they're going to start releasing NFL-style injury reports. They were going to be doubtful, out, probable, stuff like that. So, personally, I think it's kind of cool. And, you know, we have seen Terry Bowden not to pick on him. But, you know, the other day at ULM, they've not released a roster and he kind of tried to couch it as not releasing a roster being some kind of competitive advantage. And, and I just don't buy that. You know, me personally, that's my personal opinion. Some coaches may disagree, whatever. I don't see it, but I thought that was neat. A lot, a lot of openness. Shane Beamer again, giving us the uniform report, giving us, uh, spoiling Wes Mitchell's unofficial official uniform report for the season. Too bad. Sorry for Wes, but, uh, Giving us that, giving us a depth chart, giving us some injury notes, giving us some roster notes, letting the players talk, pretty cool stuff. So uh, if you got any thoughts on that or questions, drop it in. Charles, coming back on, on the back end of the conversation, said he would cast me in a leading role. Much appreciated. Again, my big break, I Always, uh, I will always be indebted to you. Here's one. Cooper Atkinson with some depth chart thoughts. He said the most curious thing to him on the depth chart is that E.J. Jenkins isn't starting and Jalen Dickerson listed over Roderick. Yeah, certainly on that second one. I think that's something to continue to watch. E.J. Jenkins, not a huge surprise. Um, I think just based on, look, it's going to be a personnel-based thing in some ways. And Shane Beamer went through that at his press conference today. It it might be. A a lot of people are going to say, well, look at who got the first carry at running back. It could go a number of ways. It could be if they've got just a running play that they feel good really about any of the backs being able to take on. It may just be here's who we think has earned it. If they've got some particular play on on the first play that they feel better matches a particular back skill set, maybe you go with that guy. Point I'm illustrating is when you look at Jenkins, you know, he's kind of a, a hybrid receiver tight end guy. Uh, he did miss some practice time recently, dealing with some stuff. So count that in there a little bit. But also, look—I mean, the three starting true wide receivers are Joiner, Brooks, Van. Then at tight end, you've got Nick Muse, who's obviously back for a, for another senior year and has earned that starting spot. And then Jaheen Bell, who's your other guy, who's going to be a very important part of the offense. So Jenkins has a role. That one to me wasn't, you know, a, a huge surprise. Wes Mitchell letting himself in. What's going on, Wes? Coming back from the Shane Beamer press conference that just ended. We're getting into the the, flip. Let's do the flip. Yeah, I'm uncomfortable with this. I don't like it. Same,
0: same, same. Much better. Yeah, much better. Back back on the proper side. I I don't know. It it matters. I don't know why it matters, but it does matter. What, What did I miss, man? What are we talking about? Well, we're
1: talking about everything. I I think we're kind of laying the groundwork a little bit. We started off by thanking uh, our our guy, Charles Pate, for casting us in his Avengers Twitter movie. Um, After we did that, got a little bit into, you know, Zeb Nolan, kind of got into – I was kind of laughing, and if I'm being honest, I'm kind of poking fun a little bit at how some people are are acting surprised by the notion that Zeb Nolan – could be the starter most people kind of in the Gamecock bubble understand you know that this was a possibility didn't get into a lot of depth chart thoughts yet that's where we're going next I was kind of I was given actually Jason Brown some props for coming into the media room and and Shane Beamer for the way that he's kind of handled media stuff this year
0: yeah and uh you know Chris I think um I would say not not too many surprises at all on the depth chart obviously it was nice to get the the confirmation that, that Zeb Nolan is going to be the starter. Even, you know, even Jason Brown mentioned uh, actually sort of specifically something we had been saying was, was that, um, you know, Zeb's taken a ton of first team reps in, in the last week or so in practice. And, um, you know, Jason Brown saying, you know, the, the guys all, they saw it, they knew it, they were there. So um, it really wasn't a surprise to the team that Zeb Nolan is the starter. And, um you know, if you're listening, this just goes back. Uh, you know, it's impossible um, for it's impossible for the national media guys to cover and follow every single team that's out there. Just like it, you know, I'm not following the day to day operations at Kentucky or Tennessee or anything like that. So, um, you know, if if you are if you have a team, be it a college team or a uh, an NFL team or a Major League Baseball team your, your local sources are probably going to have a better feel for what's going on with, within that uh, that program so i think you look and obviously we even Chris we i think we told people what the narrative was going to be uh it, you know once Zeb was named starter it was going to be a grad assistant turned quarterback his name starter at South Carolina what um you know, what does that mean for the program? You know, none of that truly matters, y'all. What really matters is that South Carolina can be 1-0 and after this Saturday. And then you reevaluate where they're at, at the position moving forward. You reevaluate Luke Doty's health. You evaluate how do the quarterbacks play on Saturday. Um, Beamer, you, you notice he, he was actually asked twice, Chris, about the quarterback position moving forward. And he dodged that question like he was Marshawn Lloyd, like he was—he was not having anything to do with that. Um, as as you would expect, that's the right call. It's the right move. Um, we we get too caught up sometimes in like the the headline versus the nuance, and the nuance is what we've been telling you for days, maybe a week plus now. Um, I went back and looked the day of our party the 20th is when we really started talking about hey guys this is real like he he's got a great chance to play and that sort of morphed into he's got a, dr- a great chance to start and here's the thing if if he starts which he will and he plays well enough for South Carolina to win on Saturday the the rest is just noise it, it doesn't matter and and the same reasons we've been talking about all for all for the last week and a half or so are the reasons why Zeb Nolan is the starter, and that's that he is in a better position to manage the game, get South Carolina in and out of plays, keep them out of bad plays, um, not turn the football over. Doesn't mean Jason Brown hasn't improved. Doesn't mean Jason Brown didn't really make some. You know, I, I thought it was really interesting. Um, y'all, Be- Beamer Beamer is genuine like this. He's not a guy that just goes up there and gives you a bunch of coach speak and, and tries to just BS his way through a press conference. Um, that the uniform stuff, uh, saying, Hey, we're, we're not, we're not going to spend any time worrying about, uh, the, the uniforms each week. Um, that this went, when he was asked, he was like, yeah, I could give you some, some coach speak about me, uh, not being extra excited about running out to 2001. He's like, I'm not going to do that there. I'm going to have to keep my emotions in check. And, um, even admitting that Jason Brown does have what we all like to call a gamer like mindset. Mm -hmm. Most coaches are like, what you do in practice is what you do in the game. (laughs) Practice. If you have to practice to perform Mm -hmm. because that's what they've been. That's what they've been saying for their entire coaching careers. Right. Beamer was like, this kid does respond when the lights are on. So I, uh, Outside folks may say this is ridiculous, but Zeb Nolan being a part of the QB room has actually done its job because yeah. it has pushed Jason Brown um, to better play, and it's going to push Luke Doty when he's back. So right now, y'all, South Carolina, no no offense to Eastern Illinois. South Carolina is going to beat Eastern Illinois on Saturday. Um Probably, probably didn't matter who the quarterback was for South Carolina to be heavily favored in this game. But at this point, it's about just putting the guy out there that's not that's going to minimize mistakes, manage the manage the game, and and go from there. So yeah, don't don't listen to your national media, don't listen to the headlines, don't listen to any of that stuff. Just go enjoy the game on Saturday. Enjoy being back at at williams Price Stadium. Um, you know, Chris, you were talking about EJ Jenkins. I don't think uh, I don't think there's a surprise at all that that EJ's listed as a second guy. I mean, we've consistently said and reported, um, you know, on Gamecock Central that Nick Muse and Jaheim Bell were sort of the first two guys out there when um, when South Carolina's is in two tight ends, and um, even you know the, the depth chart even sort of confirmed um, some of our reporting and some stuff. I, I know you, I think, had said first was that hey. Trayvon Kenyon is a guy that when South Carolina needs that more traditional tight end on the field that can can catch passes, has good ball skills, but also can can line up attached to the line, can block, um, can do sort of those traditional duties. Uh, probably the the next guy in line behind Nick Muse if if they're asking someone to do that. So you know, Chris, I I think really with tight end you got some really cool, unique skill sets that can be used here. So it, it really doesn't matter at those positions um, who the quote starter is. They're, they're going to use all those guys, you know, assuming they're all good to go and healthy.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, that that's the situation where you can do some different things from a personnel standpoint. We saw in the preseason, you know, Jaheim Bell lining up as kind of an H back or a fullback or in the slot or out wide you can do some different things with him. And, and EJ, he you won't see EJ Jenkins lining up probably as an eight as a six foot seven H back, right? But you can you can split him out, you can put him in the slot. There's some different things you can do with him. So they will be able to match up. That, that's one where you don't look as much at the depth chart because of the different body types and skill sets that you have at tight end. But you're right, Kenyon, that that was one that stood out a little bit. We saw in preseason and we heard, you know, independently of that that if Nick Muse isn't in the game and they are going with that more traditional guy, Trey Kenyon listed at 6'5", 245. So he's more in line with that size, that skill set. May see him play a little bit. Kind of the kind of maybe one of the forgotten men at the tight end position because most of the talk, and deservedly so, you know, has has surrounded uh, Nick Muse and, and Jaheen Bell and, and EJ. So interesting stuff there, I think. And, and, Wes, to go back to the quarterback point, I mean, I, I thought it was telling – you know, Shane Beamer even pushed back a little bit on the the Zev, the narrative he used. He <laughs> said it said it wasn't like Uncle Rico. You know, and and I think it has it's gotten a little bit out of control because some people only read headlines and they'll all they'll see is grad assistant to quarterback. And so they might assume, well, this guy's 32 years old or He hasn't played. I mean, Shane Beamer pointed out he's played in a game more recently than anybody else on the roster at quarterback, right? So, now, was he doing, you know, summer workouts with the team? No, he was in the halls coaching. So, there is a difference, and there's an adjustment there. Uh, But it is different than some people will have it portrayed. So, um, I don't think anybody – I think you add Zeb to the roster – You put him out there knowing that you have a need at quarterback and you see where it goes. And pretty quickly, as you said, Wes, three days today, I think it was two weeks from today. When you look back, he joined the team on August 17th. Took a few days for him to kind of ascend to where you started here. And this guy's got a legitimate chance to play and play a good bit. So it's continued going that way. And we'll, after, you know, where it goes in the next couple weeks, we'll see. We'll see. I think it's entirely possible you see Luke Doty healthy, back, and starting, right? But we'll address that then. We're uh, Beamer's keyed in on, on that. – that is the most coach-speak type of thing he did today was try to turn it to we're fully focused on Eastern Illinois while still talking about all the other stuff. Wes, speaking of Eastern Illinois – I've been working on a guest. I don't want to fully promise it to the people, but I think we can get it. I'm I'm pretty reasonably confident we can get it locked in unless something happens. Keep in mind these coaches, uh, you know, have busy scheduled schedules. I think we're going to be joined tomorrow by Eastern Illinois head coach, Adam Cushing here on GC live. So, Looks like, for those of you that will tune in tomorrow, live on the show, probably, unless something happens, going to be able to have an interview with him. So, just wanted to throw that out there. Another reason to tune in tomorrow here to GC Live.
0: Yeah, so everyone would have to be on their best behavior when we're joined by a head coach. I guess I probably need to be a little bit nicer about this matchup as well, um, going into that. But, yeah, that would be cool, man. Head coach, day or week of the game. Nice, uh, nice pull there, Chris. I, I was going to say, maybe, maybe we'll get the play by play guy if, uh, if the head coach can't be on, but, uh, but yeah, that'll be good, man. So uh, again, as you see, it's Tuesday and we're here. So we are officially back daily. And each week, most of the time, the sites will have, there'll be like a site for the school South Carolina's playing. We can just get their rivals, publisher, or writer, or whoever on. So, so that'll be good, Chris, to have these, these guests back. Um, what else on the depth chart, if anything, caught your attention, man? It kind of, for the most part, um, matched, I think, our expectations.
1: You know, I, here's one I brought up earlier. Or at running back was interesting. I, I think you predicted that. I couldn't remember. We talked about it at lunch today. I couldn't remember if, if you predicted it or if I predicted it. I honestly didn't remember.
0: You credited yourself. I'll believe it. I'll allow it. We can we can check the tape. I need. Um,
1: I, honestly, I I didn't have time. I was like, when you said that it was you, I was like, it might have been me. I was like, I need to go back and watch yesterday's show, but it wasn't that important. So we'll give you the credit.
0: It was very important to me. Um, <laughs> you you said you said there's going to be three ores. And I said, well, what if they go four oars? Okay, okay. There you go. And there you is. said, no, you're an idiot. So I did not say that. <laughs> and
1: by the way, speaking of idiots, somebody said language. Did I say about, I never cussed on
0: this show. Somebody no, 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 no. Somebody else. Somebody else in the uh, comments, in the comments, somebody I dropped a very bad word. To put an explicit thing <laughs> label on this podcast. No, we got that from Pearson Fowler back in the day. Actually, <laughs> it's it's still on the Apple Podcast thing. From uh, it still says explicit because Pearson cussed two and a half years ago. But um, yeah, for for the most part, I, I think it it kind of matched up. Um, you know, how, how about uh, we, I mean, we talked about this, but Boogie Huntley sort of moving into that spot where, where Rick Sandage uh, is out right now. I think that's a great sign for him and his future, man. Debo Williams pushing Damani Staley. That was something else that was kind of expected. Um, I, I'll be honest. Uh, Cam Smith is a Cam Smith is further along than I in my head was probably giving him credit for. Like for, for Beamer to say, you know, no, notice the difference in what he said about Doty, where he was like, yeah, he you know he was out there, but he didn't do much. He's probably not a hundred percent. And he went on to say. We're not going to put guys out there when you know when they could potentially get hurt more. And then he talked about Cam. And he's like, "Man, Cam, if we will let him, we could play seventy snaps on Saturday." Not. I'm guessing you probably don't go do that, right? It's it's Columbia, South Carolina heat. Um, you've missed a lot of practice, even though it is a night game. I imagine to me, and and Cam, we got to remember, man, Cam. Um, you know, you and I've talked about this, but Cam's a redshirt sophomore. <laughs> like, Cam has not played you know, a hundred games, like, it's not like he's this, he's being counted on because South Carolina needs him to be good. And he's had, a, he had a really good off season before the injury. I think, I think right there that if it was me, you probably give Darius rush the start because he's played so many first team reps and, and has been so good. And in, in as far as taking advantage of that opportunity, we'll see, Cam may, may get the start, but then I, I think you, you, ease Cam back in, let him get his feet back under him, let him sort of uh, play part of the game if he still feels, you know, completely 100% and then let it almost kind of be a, a glorified, I don't want to say scrimmage, but it just gets him back in the flow basically to to go into to next week and the week after that.
1: Sure. Always a positive, you know, to get him back. Uh, I, I think I'm with you. A little bit surprised at how strongly they went in terms of his progress and Credit him. I mean, uh, Beamer gave him all the credit in attacking that rehab. And you know, when when we had some viewing windows in practice earlier this preseason, West and you see him, you know, out there in the in the boot and everything. It didn't look as good at that point, but he's he's worked his way back. And you're right. It, it, is he going to play 75 snaps? I I would doubt that. You know, you, you think about just in preseason how Marcellus Dial because he's been out, Dial Darius Rush getting the vast majority of the reps. You know, that might even hold during the game. But uh, there's no reason to rush Cam back, even if he feels really, really good. You know, you can you can still afford at this stage to be careful with it, you know, bearing the big picture in mind. But uh, he's a guy that they're counting on a lot that they need, that they need to play well this season. And to have him out there game one would certainly be a positive for this team.
0: Yeah. Um, the carry-on still holding on to the, the first-team kickoff return, deal right now. I still think at some point we, we see some Juju McDowell there. Um, maybe we see them both on the field at the same time. Um, although I, I will say I'm second guessing myself. I, I know I saw both of them out there or I thought I saw both of them out there. And now part of me is is wondering if I saw seven Garnett, which is Amari and Brown, which used to be Joyner's number at South Carolina. Joyner is now five. Um, at South Carolina, so I'm, I'm wondering if I if I got the two mixed up when I saw them both on the field at the same time. So I'm second-guessing myself on that one, Chris. But I, I think at some point this season we're going to see Joyner returning kicks. He he obviously is first-team guy, and I think at some point we will see Juju McDowell get his opportunity to, to get back there. But, dude, obviously, going back to the running back thing, for him to come in as a true freshman and even be included in that or – it just says a ton. Well, I mean, what does it say about all those guys? Marshawn Lloyd, former five-star, that, you know, Zaquandre White has done so many things right this offseason that he gets included in it. And the level of respect that they have for Kevin Harris and what he's done in the past to include him in it, even though he's missed all his practice time. Um, uh, you know, if I'm Ontario Hardesty, uh, I, I walked into a really good situation with that group, I think.
1: Yeah, they did, and you know, as to who gets the first carry, I can't remember if you were on the show yet, West, when I said this, but you could play it a couple ways. It could, you might have a play call there at the beginning where you know, or a series even where you think about, hey, you know, really anybody fits here. Let's give, you know, we we've been here in West, for instance, that Zaquandre could get the first carry, kind of as a reward and because of the type of spring, summer, preseason camp that he had. So maybe it's him. Or maybe you have, um, you know, a a play, a series of plays that you feel like better fits somebody else's skill set. And so maybe you run them out there, play one. And that's kind of so it's close and and we've known it's been close. And that's why you get the or situation sometimes on these depth charts, just judging off the past and what happens at other places. Some coaches kind of use the or designation just to kind of be a pain a little bit and just, hey, here's here's three ors at each position when there's clearly internally in the program, there's a starter. Right. Uh, Not as much that way uh, with with what you see on the ors on this depth chart. This depth chart, I think, Wes, is more representative you know, of, of where things actually are with the team as opposed to just being, hey, we'll put out a depth chart for the heck of it. Let's make it as big of a pain in the butt as possible.
0: Well, and then, uh, so, so Steve Fink, SID at South Carolina for football, does an outstanding job, was asked, will we get an updated depth chart each week? Those of you um, who don't have to pay attention to such things, uh, I'll remind you that basically there was one depth chart last year. And the year before, and the year before, and it was the same depth chart put in there every single week. So there is a situation you could have guys that were literally out for the season, and they'd be on the depth chart for for that week. And uh, Fink sort of laughed, and he didn't commit to there being a, a specifically updated depth chart every week, but he did commit to if a guy is out for the year, <laughs> chances are he's not going to be on the official. South Carolina depth chart, so that that's a good sign. And I, you know, I I think Beamer, I think Beamer sounds like is going to do his best to to walk that line between trying to do what is best for his team, but also to throw the media a bone as far as um, giving them an opportunity to to do their job, basically. So I, um, I think you look at that, and and it's kind of a a thing where um, that. That, I don't know how long, how far it goes. Like, does it go a long way? I, I don't know. Does the average person even care? Probably not. But I can tell you the people writing about his team um, will will appreciate such things. So, um, Chris, what, what did you think, speaking of sort of things being done differently, the uniform report coming on out today? Um, by the way, before we get to that, I've seen several questions. I've seen questions about, John on Facebook, and I've seen John's name pop up quite a bit um, on our on the show before, asking for a copy of the depth chart. I saw somebody else asking where they could watch the press conference. Um, yes, we have the live show. We have a podcast. Y'all do know we have a website too, right? Like, if, if you just pretty much anything you're asking about, just go to gamecockcentral.com. the uh, The depth chart is free. The video from USC is already posted. It's free. So uh, just go to GameCockCentral.com, go to our front page. The second the depth chart was put out, we had a story with the depth chart. Um, the live stream of the of the press conference was up for the entire press conference. So anytime for just basic stuff like that that y'all have questions, just uh, go to GameCockCentral.com. And it's there for you. That's uh, that's ultimately, yes, we have this show, but that is what we do. So, yeah, go check it out. It's, it's okay, I promise. Uh, Chris. I, I don't want to brag, but I think I also called the uh, the uniform. I think you did. We'll, we'll get back and check the tape. We got a lot to check the tape on. Yeah, or I'm just saying that I got everything right, and I right. I botched them all and nobody's going to call but, me. But, right, but, but, but dude, how, how about Beamer taking a little bit of the the Gamecock fan? How How many times we heard fans late last year when things were going bad, stop worrying about the uniforms and worry about the game on the field? And we sort of said, well, this ain't taking any time away from their ability to to practice. How about Beamer kind of siding with with some some of Gamecock Nation and saying, look, we're not focused on uh, the uniforms anymore.
1: Yeah, and there's been some social media talk, even Justin King uh, weighing in and saying that, you know, the battle armor videos, which was obviously a really cool thing on social media, we may not see those every week. Shane Beamer spoiling not only spoiling the battle armor, but Wes, I don't know how you feel. This might be an emotional time for you. <laughs> might be might be the death of the unofficial official uniform report. I, I don't know if you'll get to do that each week or if I don't know if this is gonna be a regular thing on Tuesday for Beamer coming in hot with the uniform report every Tuesday, or maybe you'll have a chance to rekindle the unofficial official uniform report. But yeah, again, I, I think in all seriousness, it is a sign just another indicator that Beamer is, he's tuned in, you know, to the fan base and does any like, are they going to win a game for releasing a depth chart? No, just like they're not going to coaches aren't going to lose games for releasing a depth chart. But one day, Wes, that, that could be a good coaching. Maybe we'll have a Kirby smart on here during Georgia game week. Kirby ain't never doing this show, man. And we'll got, we're going to ask him, how many? How much do you think it helps to not release a depth chart before the game?
0: But but see, well, we're going to get we're going to get Kirby to come on in the off season and then we're just going to troll him the entire <laughs> and see how long it takes before he hangs no, up or clicks not off. The off
1: season, no game week, the week. of the yeah, Oh wow! Yeah, we're going to ask him for his updated depth chart. But no, seriously, you know those things don't win or lose games, right? Like Beamer doing some of the stuff that's obviously been cool and forward facing for the fan base. Like it doesn't win games, but it does help you, you know, it helps with your fan support. It helps the fans feel, feel connected to the program. It's still important. And so, you know, him taking the time to do that and addressing some of the concerns and some of the narratives and just some different things that have played out among the fan base. I think it shows that he's in tune and he pays attention and he gets that stuff.
0: Yeah, no doubt, man. Um, I want to admit, I want to comment on something real quick, Chris. Uh, just to clarify, um, when uh, when you said that uh, Zaquandre White would probably be rewarded with the first carry, um, that that's a compliment. Like not not meaning a reward as like a participation reward, a reward for for doing everything the right way, earning earning the starting for earning the job. Yeah. For earning a reward, not first carry. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. To be and completely up, clear.
1: It. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a good point to clear that up. I mean, this is a guy that it's not just, you know, in the spring, obviously there were some running backs injured, but how we've always played it out is the white wasn't just, he was just there. And so he got all the carries. Like he did an outstanding job in the spring. The coaching staff was extremely happy with him. Talk to anybody around the program who, you know, was plugged into what was going on. And I mean, you couldn't talk to anybody without hearing Zaquandre White had a great spring. Like he was totally bought in, super productive, carried that into summer and he's carried it into preseason. And I think some people, once we got to preseason, West forgot about Zaquandre White all over again, because they're thinking, okay, well, Kevin Harris will be back. He did this last season. Marshawn Lloyd will be ready to go. They kind of shelved Zaquandre in their minds and, he said, no, we're, we're, we're not going to shelve that. You know, he he has kept going. Like, he he's not slipped at all. He's still right there. And we've said on the show, you've said, and I'll credit you. Uh, let me make sure I give you your credit, Wes. I don't want to mess you up on that. You have said numerous times that, hey, you know, at certain points this preseason, Zaquandre would get the first carry. Now, will that definitely happen Saturday? I don't know if we have an updated prediction on that. But I could certainly see that happening, and it and it's fully because he's gone out there and earned you know that
0: designation. That that'll be a fun. We'll have to make this predict these predictions on Friday, Chris. What it what is the personnel for play number one? That that'll be that'll be a fun discussion to have because it it goes beyond just who's a starter. It it goes down to what is. What is the actual formation called? Was the personnel among that formation? Um, what's the play call? All, all those things will sort of factor into that. So that'll be that'll be a Friday conversation. I, I feel like, but um, yeah, I going back. I, I guess we're bouncing around, man. I, I wanted to weigh in on the uniforms too, but I, I want to make sure we we clarified that one real quick. Very very fitting that Beamer is going with the classic Spurrier look for his debut game as well. The the Garnet jersey, you know, that was such um, Garnet jerseys. Now, sometimes it was with the the white helmets and the Garnet pants. Sometimes it was with with the white helmets and the white pants. South Carolina going white helmet, Garnet jersey, white pants. That was a classic Spurrier look. And for a guy who was the assistant here under Spurrier, just very fitting, in my opinion, that that his very first game will, uh, you know, will be in, in those uniforms because that that uniform is, like, etched in so many people's brains for some huge plays, you know, in South Carolina history. And, and it, I'll be interested to see, does Beamer – I doubt they become a team that just wears the same thing every, every week, you know. Like, they have a home and they have a white and they just, uh, you know, never change it. But it would be interesting to see which way he sort of leans. I, I don't think they're going to go Oregon where you're just, you know, getting different stuff. And, and clearly Beamer wanted it to be known that he's not going to spend much time each week going into uh, the uniforms.
1: Yeah, well, what was that quote that Nick Saban had recently he said, you know, I'm more worried about the guys in the uniforms and kind of what they play like. So, look, I mean, again, you're not going to win or lose a game. Uh, wearing because of wearing a certain uniform. Unless, Wes, they're those weird under-armor uniforms that South Carolina's worn a few times that are cursed. Um, no, yeah. Seriously, some people think that, and maybe it's true. But it, it does go to show. I mean, Shane Beamer has called himself more of a uniform traditionalist. This just kind of reinforces that. And, you know, it just reinforces... Some people wondered, you know, what is he going to be like in terms of the uniforms? And it appears they'll... Kind of narrow down, unless there's maybe some special occasions you might see something. They're going to kind of narrow down the whole uniform thing.
0: Yeah, you know, somebody said when we start winning, you can bring back the battle armor videos. You know, it's a pretty good point, Brian. It, It plays that stuff plays much better with the fans, and just in general, it plays much better when when things are good. When things are bad, it just sort of opens up another opportunity for people to to have something negative to say about you. So it's kind of like, I mean, late last year, you're, if you're the media team, you're the social media team, The uh, if you're Justin King's media team, I should say, the in-house folks, it kind of puts you in a bad spot because you do these really great videos. Like the production quality on these things is outstanding. But then it's going into a game where you're not favored to win, um the season's going really bad and you're trying to create hype and it, it just some sometimes it misses for for no reason for no fault of their own basically so so i get it we'll we'll see how south carolina adjusts as far as that goes um moving forward uh let's see man we got we got about just under 15 minutes left here on the show what el- what else you want to hit chris Do, have we have we gotten to everything have we not gotten everything i'm trying to think man i I did think let's go back. Let's let's get a little bit more detail on, on the depth chart. A couple other positive notes I, I, I noticed. Jakari Caldwell sliding into the mix. He he's listed as an or as a second team receiver. Kind, kind of confirm with the depth chart what's what we thought has been the case. Josh Van, the on joyner, um Jalen Brooks have been the top three. Pretty pretty, it seems like pretty easily, like pretty locked in with those three. Still some jockeying behind them. Um, Jakaya Moore being added to the depth chart. You know, he came into the preseason, still coming back from an injury, missed time in the spring. I think this is a kid, Chris, you and I are both pretty, pretty high on as far as his future on, on South Carolina's offensive line. Um, anything else on, on the depth chart for you?
1: Not really, man. Um, you know, some people pointed out the Dickerson or Roderick thing. Um, I think when you look at linebacker, um, you know, Debo Williams getting an or, Daryl Ware getting an or, that – I don't think that really surprised people because um, Ware and Kaba, you know uh, – or not Ware, I'm sorry, Caba and and uh, Debo, a couple of guys that Clayton White had outlined, you know, towards the uh, – towards the end of the preseason as really haven't stepped up. And so, you know, I think when you look at the beginning of the preseason, Clayton White kind of telling us that you want to have five guys, you know, you got to have three, you want to have five, ideally, and you want to have a few guys that can play multiple spots. So I think they've really honed in on, on getting Debo to completely learn that Mike position. Staley's a guy that can play Mike or will, um, Daryl Ware is somebody that, you know, Shane Beamer mentioned, he, he feels better now. He had missed the start of preseason. I think he said that he was, you know, making some strides there and was out there. Um, uh, people forget about him, you know, as, as a walk-on guy, uh, out of Fort Dorchester, but he's someone that the staff feels like could come in and play. He played some last year for this team. I think one was, you know, that may, I, I got some people outside of the, that Gamecock bubble I referenced earlier. They, they sent me Aaron Sterling over Jordan Birch. You know, again, that doesn't surprise anybody in Gamecock land because we've known that Sterling has been running first team the whole preseason. But I think it does illustrate some of that depth, right, that they have at the edge. And the coaching staff has loved, you know, what Aaron Sterling's done. Mike Peterson's raved about him, Shane Beamer, Clayton White. All those guys have raved about Sterling. So going to be plenty of room for, you know, Jordan Birch, Jordan Strong as backups at edge. You know whether it's in pass rush situations, you throw an extra guy or two out there, or even just to give the other guys a breather, There's going to be plenty of room for those guys to play.
0: Yeah, we we even got a little bit of that um, that talk on on Gamecock Central on the Insider Forum about that position. I, I think th- this is one of those situations, Chris, where those positions actually, and when I say those, I'm, I'm talking about edge you know, in, in the current terminology they use, defensive end traditionally, running back, tight end. Really, really, that's probably the three for me right now that I would put in this category. They have the type of depth that you actually sort of wish every position had, right? So to, to me, regardless of who won that job, won that starting position, whether it's Aaron Sterling or Jordan Birch it's good that you have both of those guys fully capable of going out there and playing. And I think both will play a ton. They may even split the, uh, you know, we, we were actually doing our coverage plan for for game week. And uh, I, I've i forgotten all about the, the snap count, Chris. So the snap count, I will be very curious to see Aaron Sterling's snap count, Jordan Burke's snap count. Aaron Sterling is clearly going to be the starter it could easily be fifty, near 50-50 or 55-45 or 60-40. My, my guess, man, is that both of those guys are, are going to play a ton for South Carolina. and um, But behind them, I, I really don't think um, – I, I think there's probably a little bit – there's probably a pretty big gap between whoever is third there. So I, I think those two guys will, uh, will will have the opportunity to go play a lot but also be able to play fresh and at times even all be on the field, potentially um, all of them or three of the four, you know, be on the field at the same time.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're, you know, what is that? That's that's one of kind of the things I am looking forward to seeing is in third down situations, what is the package that South Carolina gets out there? Who are the guys? You know, you're keeping J.J. and Ibarre on the field, right? I mean, he's going to be out there. And Aaron Sterling actually is a is a good pass rusher. Like, he's he's pretty solid in that area. He's not prototypical size, but he's savvy. He's made some of those plays in, in his career. You'd think Inegbare is going to be out there. But, you know, who are the other guys? Do you keep Pickens in? Or is it, you know, Jordan Strong you would think would be on the field? Jordan Birch you would think has a good chance to be on the field. Is, is Atonka Hemingway in a pass rush package, or is he more of just a true backup I'll, I'll be interested to see all that. It's it's one of those sort of interesting uh, subplot storylines for for the game on Saturday.
0: Yeah. And Charles asked, do you think we'll see any rabbit packages? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm with you, Chris. I, I think that'll be fun to see. I, I'd imagine that that's in there, Charles, in, in some way, shape, or form. We'll all find out on Saturday what exactly it looks like. Um, good question here from Heath saying, uh, We've not heard, have we? Not heard about uh, Green because the D line is, is that deep, and um, dude, it, it has been really quiet. I, I would say on uh, on Kim Green's part, right now, it, it just sort of appears the other guys are ahead and and playing better. I, I don't have any, fortunately, Heath. I don't have any like further details on that or specifics on that, but uh, I know obviously he he was behind that that group of guys that were returning. And then Sandage went down, Sandage is out this week, and there was an opportunity for somebody to step in. And Boogie Huntley, as Clayton White told us all last week, Boogie Huntley sort of stepped up and, and took that spot. And it's a great sign for him, but but clearly it's kind of one of those things. There's only so many spots. And uh, they're going with the guys who are consistently going out there and doing what they're asked. Uh, Chris uh, Turnberg wants to know, what's the D look like on the back end? Um I mean, that's, that's a broad question, Chris. I uh, I think certainly South Carolina, you know, I, I thought Beamer's comments recently about Marcellus Stiles saying he may have had one of the strongest camps of anybody on the defense were encouraging for South Carolina. I think the depth in the secondary, though, still is going to remain a question mark until maybe some of these young guys step up or, or I don't even know if step ups word because ha- a lot of them have not played in games until they go out there and show it in games and prove what they can do um it will be a question mark there in- until it's not is that Chris is that a fair way to represent the the back end particularly when you start looking at it not just starters but but as a whole in the depth there
1: yeah for sure I think one reason for that is you know that a lot of these guys have not played a ton you know uh Darius Rush hasn't played a ton. Even Cam Smith, as you said, a a third-year guy in terms of being in college, Wes, but doesn't have a ton of experience. Uh, Marcellus Dial is a junior college transfer, so this is his first year. So great camp, yeah, for sure. But South Carolina is going to play a lot of really talented offenses and some excellent receivers, and it's going to be a challenge. And so to some degree, you don't know how guys are going to respond until you throw them out there. Game one won't be – A great test, but it will be a test in terms of seeing how some of them respond. Jalen Dickerson, I mean, he's been around – he was in the 2017 class. In terms of experience, what is he, maybe a sophomore? Like as far as his own field, you know, um, being serious. I mean, he he has not played a ton because of all those injuries. So a couple transfers back there. I mean, look, it's just – Jamar Brown playing a new position at safety, you know, he's bounced around a lot positionally. So there are some questions there. It's not like a situation where you're coming in and you've got four out of five starters back and those four starters have three years of experience and two of them are NFL draft picks after the season. You know, there is still some uncertainty there. There's some potential, but the depth still a concern and, and how they're going to perform against some of the high-level opponents they're going to face. That's that's still a, kind of a question mark, too.
0: All right, y'all. I think that's going to do it for today. Appreciate y'all joining us. As always, um, appreciate the support and a huge crowd on here today. So, the, the numbers are going up. They always do during the season, I guess. Uh, but uh, for us to go back to, to sort of an, an everyday thing and um, – and y'all come out and support us like this. It is awesome. So we'll be back on on Wednesday. That's tomorrow. And we'll uh, maybe have a special guest, might have a a head coach joining us. So that'll be cool. And um, I guess we hit it all for today, but coordinators talk tomorrow. So we'll have plenty more to talk about. Marcus Satterfield speaking, Clayton White speaking, I believe both of those. I believe that starts at 12.15, back-to-back, and then Chris and I will be hopping on here at 2 o'clock shortly after that. So – Big day. Go check out GamecockCentral.com. Come see what we're writing about. There's plenty to talk about on there on our message boards and our forum. Uh, For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see you tomorrow. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today.